Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. It's Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness, and of course, mine too, and my guests and everybody's. Um, uh, we're going to mix it up today a little bit. I just want to let you know that we're going to be talking about uh, sacred masculinity, and but I'm going to be talking about it with another woman. You know, the last shows that I've done about this subject, about how important it is for men to find themselves in the sacred masculine, mostly I talk to men about it because it's about men. But today I'm talking to another woman about it who feels similar to the way I feel about it. She writes about it a lot on social media. And um, so I'm very excited to tell you that that's the topic. And first, let me introduce you to my guest, and then she and I are going to just get to it. So her name is Debbie Maisha, and she's the owner of Sensual Energy Alchemy. She's a pleasure coach who believes that better sex and healthier relationships make for happier lives. There's no mistake that she's on sex and happiness. Of course, they make for happier lives. And she's on a mission to heal the world one orgasm at a time. Yay. Welcome to the show, Debbie Maisha. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lori. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> what a pleasure. So, you know, tell us a little bit about, before we actually get into our topic of why it's so important to, that women help heal uh, the masculine and men in our world, let's talk about you and how you got to be a pleasure coach. Because I know, you know, I know my guidance counselor didn't tell my parents that I was going to be a sex and happiness coach. So how did you get to be a pleasure coach? Like what, what, what made a turn in your life that made you go this way from something else? Sure. Well, I was a, a psychology major uh, and in college and then switched to social work. So there was, a, you know, I, I wanted to be a psychiatrist before that, but then medical school was just going to be a no, no for me. So I've always wanted to help people and I've always wanted to be involved in some type of, you know, therapeutic way of, of just making people, people's lives better. And I was always the person that everyone came to, to ask questions about sex, even before I was having sex. I was uh, really big on reading books like Our Bodies Ourselves, because that's what they had in the library back when people went there to find their information. Right. And when I got older, I got into witchcraft, which led me to energy work, which led me to Reiki, which led me to Tantra. And what was pivotal for me in taking the things that I was interested in and, and putting it into a coaching format was getting divorced and the pain that I went through. And then, you know, thinking back through my family and the pain that they'd gone through and just thinking there's got to be a way to prevent this type of pain from happening, even if there is divorce, to prevent this type of pain from happening. And I just knew that if we found ways to 
to make our lives more pleasurable and to engage in sex and relationships in a more authentic way, then we could eliminate some of the pain that happens um, in relationships, whether they work out or, or don't. Yes, so good. It's so good. Well, but when people take that vow of till death do us part, usually when they take that, they're very serious about that because they're invoking like death into it. Um, yeah. They don't expect to, to, to part, but, but these days it's so simple. I don't even know why people who divorce get remarried. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Why? I, that. I have never understood that. Unless you're having a family, like, what's the point? But that's just, you know, I'm right. taking it one step further. But you're right. You know, in today's age, in our, in our uh, current place in, in life, uh, breaking up is just as easy to do as getting together. So how to eliminate the pain from that, how to have whole human beings dealing with each other instead of two broken people searching for the dent in each one's bumper. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I cringe at the, you know, two halves make a whole analogy that so many of us came up with, the whole Jerry Maguire, you complete me thing. Yeah. I, I think it just did a, a disservice to, to a lot of people, and women in particular, actually. Why do you say that? Because I think, I think it led us down a path of having such high expectations for what we thought relationships should be. And it led us to have unrealistic expectations of the divine masculine, you know, and for them to act toward us in ways that were not their nature. Mm. And then that led us to think that, oh, the men must be wrong because they're supposed to be the other half. They're sub I'm supposed to complete them and they're supposed to complete me. Right. And he's not doing that. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to understanding where the masculine lives and where the feminine lives. Beautiful. So good. You know, I remember uh, when I was in my 20s, I had a boyfriend who gave me a card, a birthday card or some kind of card with two people on a horse. So the man was riding the horse and the woman was sitting like side saddle behind him on the horse. Mm. And I remember saying, don't ever give me a card like this again. You either give me a card where I'm riding my own horse or don't bother. I'm not riding back side saddle on anybody's horse. <laughs> I knew really early in my life that I was going to be complete. I was not looking for somebody to complete me. But, you know, I then was... That was right around the time the book Our Bodies, Ourselves came out. Mm. So I, that was in the 70s. So I then became like an anomaly, you know, like I, to my family, I was a monster because I wouldn't look for a husband because I didn't want anyone to complete me. I, I wanted to just be complete <laughs> right. myself, but it wasn't fashionable until later. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's actually, it's very true. And even still in certain communities, it's still apparently not fashionable, but I, hey, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm so glad that you, so you, so, so you didn't become a psychiatrist. That's actually kind of good. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, the psychiatrists that I know and the psychologist, actually most of my practice of teaching Tantra has been made up of students 
who are psychologists and psychiatrists and they don't know anything about sex. You know, no. they're, they're just as hung up or if not more so than anybody else in the culture. And they don't know anything about those feelings like anger, the denser feelings. Right. scares them. So I feel like you took a turn where you could help people like even better because it deals with raw um, pleasure brings up anything that isn't pleasure and right. deals with very raw emotions and you, you have to be unafraid. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like many people, I grew up with that too. And this idea that it was important to be happy. And, and, and that <laughs> also seemed to me and on the flip side that if I was happy, it means I couldn't acknowledge the other feelings. I couldn't acknowledge the anger, the pain, the sadness. And what people don't understand is that's what really leads to dysfunction. This idea that I must be happy, therefore I must bury all of the other things or kind of just, uh, I, I, my own word is logicalize it away or, you know, all of these other things. And sometimes you're just pissed off, you know, and, and you, need to, you need to bring that up and release it. Like just, it's like when you have an infection and there's, and there's pus in the wound, it needs to come up out of the body. Right. In order for you to heal, you don't keep the pus in and then suture right. it up over it, you know? Right, exactly. You have to have those feelings and they, and they inform you of something. But I find that the people in those professions don't really embrace all that. And so that's why they come to me and that's probably why they come to you. Like there's a whole way in which th those are still in denial even in the field of psychology so yeah. yeah quite amazing i also i majored in those similar things too so <laughs> <laughs> you but know I, they say the people who major in areas like psychiatry and psychology it's, it's because their families are so crazy they're trying to make sense of what's going on <laughs> absolutely i was i did yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was and I did, but luckily I got steered in some directions that have helped clear mm -hmm. it up. I am happy and I have all those emotions and, yes. I have, and sex leads to happiness too. So yes. we're in, we're in agreement. So what, um, so when did you really get that you, um, you know, like how long have you been doing this be, being a pleasure coach? When did you really get that you had something that was marketable outside the traditional shingle that someone would would uh, put out like that says you're a social worker or you're, you know, when did you really come into your own with this? 2015, 2015. I, yeah, I uh, left Max husband in 2011. Um, it, it definitely wasn't a very amicable split by any means came back to New York City with four children. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and was really just in, in a, in a funk of turmoil. Like my whole life had been turned upside down. Um, you know, I was, I was living in the suburbs, you know, and I mean, even though I'm from New York City, it was just, you know, I was in the suburbs. I was doing the whole mom thing complete with minivan and came back to New York City and, the, sh the shock of coming back to the city and coming back to children left me almost comatose. Mm. And, and I was trying to find my way. And I, and I tried to find my way through a variety of penises and that didn't seem to work. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought maybe I could just sex the pain away and, and find euphoria there. 
right. um, since now I was free. Um, and that didn't happen. And then I, and then I thought, you know, I needed to be saved. And so I, I found myself, you know, seeking it in religion. Um, and, and that didn't quite fill the hole either. And, mm-hmm. and I realized that the only thing, person, object that could fill the hole was me. Yes. And from there, I started to re-remember, you know, what I'd learned in Reiki and what I'd learned in spell work and what I'd learned about my body. And, and I was a personal trainer at the time. And, and, and it was my clients who really helped me because I was working with women and they would come to me wanting to lose weight so they could be sexy, so they could get a man. And so then we ended up having these conversations about how they didn't need to lose weight to be sexy. And what was the objective? In, and I, I'm, hey, I'm all for partnership. But were you looking because you were lonely or were you looking because you felt like this was really going to enhance your life? You know? And so instead of being a personal trainer, I ended up kind of coaching most yeah. of my sessions. And then that was like, well, no, I need, to, I need to go tell women that this is just a crock. Like, they don't need to be doing all of this stuff, you know, because society says so. And then after having those conversations, we were talking about sex. And again, they were asking me questions. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? These women are really repressed, man. This is crazy. Like women aren't even looking at their vulva whatsoever. Like the idea of putting a mirror there is like, what? Why would I do that? There's no self-pleasure going on here. There's no oral sex for sure. And they're having sex for like five to seven minutes. This, (laughs) this This cannot continue. And I just started to post like, you know, like, like I eked out, right? Because people who knew me knew that, but then to start putting that stuff on social media was still like, that was like frightening. So I'd, I'd start with like the spiritual sex stuff. I think a lot of us start there. Let's, let's talk about it from a spiritual perspective. And then I started to get into like a little bit more graphic stuff. And then I, I you know, some of the political posts were, were a little bit okay. And I just kept reaching and reaching. And then when I finally started talking about polyamory and kink, I knew I had just gone over the deep end, just dive full on into the pool. And, um, and I, just, I just kept going from there. I got asked to speak at a, at a retreat, um, the, the Art of Sacred Sexuality retreat, mm-hmm. um, based on just what I was writing. And I, I, didn't have, I was still a personal trainer <laughs> at the time. I hadn't really gotten into this portion. And that catapulted me into doing this type of coaching. That's so good. You just naturally got there and it's, it's uh, you know, you had a feel for it and you just went for it. It's wonderful. It's a great story. The reason I like people to tell their stories, you know, in the beginning of the show is because I, there may be people listening who haven't found their niche yet. And I want them to know that, you know, every person that I interview on this show has had a huge transformation that they could even get to the idea that sex and happiness are connected and that they would even talk about that. You know, they had to go through a huge transformation, whether it was something like you going from the suburbs back to the city, the culture shock of that, of being the mom and then having to be the everything with four kids, all of it. And then finding women who were trying to live by that same crock that you were living by, you know, and you get to break that up and help them bust that up so they can be whole, it's, it's fabulous. Just wonderful, what a great calling. So we're gonna take a little break here. And uh, on this, I'm gonna just shout out for a minute. I wanna shout out about Aneros. I just need to do it. And I wanna talk about the 
Trident Helix, which is the new Anaros for men. And it's got a larger head for greater, more focused stimulation and a contoured and angled stem for superior responsiveness. If you don't know what Anaros is, it's a it's an anal insertion device. I don't want to call it a toy because it seems too serious, but it's a device for pleasure in men. Um, oh yeah, and Anaros even says that anything else is just a toy. So it isn't. It's a device. It's a uh, it's a system. And I want to say, try the new Trident Helix. It's a bigger, more, better developed Aneros for men. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. We're going to take a break here. I'm Laurie Handlers. And today I'm interviewing Debbie Maisha. And we're going to talk about uh, the sacred masculine. We're gonna, we'll talk about that in the next segment. So please stay tuned with us. We'll be right back. Sexual. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? That you don't need to earn it or prove it? You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the spiritual sexual shamanic experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to SchoolofTempleArts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown Take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically emotionally and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers, only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to butterflyworkshops.com. That's butterflyworkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. My question for people right now is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. 
Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handler's on the Sex and Happiness Show. We are back with Sex and Happiness. And again, I'm Laurie Handlers. And my guest today, Debbie Maisha, is the owner of Sensual Energy Alchemy. And we're talking about how she got to do what she does, which is be a pleasure coach. That's what we just got finished talking about. And, you know... I, Debbie Maisha, I want to talk about, you know, you and I are aligned about some things in terms of the sacred masculine. And um, part of it, I think, is something you mentioned in the last segment, which is we as women, we're now talking about like pretty much heterosexual women. Um, we were taught to believe that some Prince Charming was going to come riding in <laughs> on a horse and grab us. <laughs> I know I used the horse analogy before, but it was a different thing. Maybe that's what, maybe he thought I wanted that. I don't know. We were taught that Prince Charming was coming. And so, and we were not going to be complete until he showed up on the doorstep or found, you know, whatever that, that the glass slipper. So, yes. So, so that adds to something called man bashing, which has been going on now for a few years, male bashing, and, um, and, and maybe it's been going on since the beginning of feminism, like trying to beat the patriarchy down. Um, so I know you have very strong feelings about it. And I know in your coaching of women, you've probably heard a lot of things. So then how do we make the transition or how did you make the transition from coaching women and letting them know what parts of their psyche were not serving them and at the same time how did you come to knowing that it's really important to honor men like to really honor the masculine both in ourselves and in people in male bodies so i have to thank my ex-husband i mm -hmm. and i and i have thanked him a lot for for our marriage um you know uh he when we got married he had a daughter and then um and she lived with him and so i raised her and then we went on to have four more children. So there were five children altogether, two girls, three boys. And when I had my sons, I, I, I read a lot of books on the, the brains of boys and how boys think differently from girls. I was, I was homeschooling at the time as well. And, and I really wanted to, you know, understand the difference. And it was, oh, so boys don't just sit still. You know, that's this myth. Oh, that's why they're on drugs. That's why they're ADHD. And so this, this pattern of thinking uh, and, and education is, is a female dominant um, profession. 
you know, the teachers are generally females, especially for the younger boys. And so you, you're already coming into this world not acting in a way that is comfortable for the female teachers. The boys move too much. They shuffle too much. They're too noisy. They're too loud. And reading about that from both men authors and women authors, I came to understand that, okay, boys are, are different from girls. They keep throwing this idea at us that, you know, gender equality means like gender neutrality, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not the same. And so it started with, with that partially. And then my ex-husband, you know, our marriage looked like a very toxic marriage. It looked like a man who had a lot of anger issues and it looked like a woman who didn't understand how to be emotional. That's what it looked like on, on, the, on the outset. And once I stepped away from the marriage, what it also looked like was a man who had never had a woman love him. And the fear that that brought out in him, the, the way that I triggered him on a, <laughs> if not daily, weekly basis. And this makes no excuse for, for some of his behavior. Um, but I, understanding better now, the fact that I triggered him, him being honest with me after the fact mm. of how his relationship with his mother was, and things that he experienced as a boy. And then me realizing, well, if my ex-husband, who loved me, and he, and he did and still does, and I love him too, you know, didn't feel comfortable telling me these things, even though I was very much, you can tell me anything, what is going on in the minds of men that they're not telling their women, that they're, that they're, too afraid. And I asked him, well, why didn't you say any of this? I was too ashamed. I thought that you would look at me differently. I thought I was going to disappoint you. It was easier for me to be angry. That's acceptable mm. for men. Right. And I was like, wow, this is wow. You know, because I didn't grow up with someone telling me this is, you know, men are this way. I grew up with my grandmother slipping me money saying, you know, just in case, you know, they don't act right. Both my grandmothers, <laughs> you know, would give me money to put to the side for the emergency fund. And I found it odd because I was like, are they just assuming that my ex-husband is just going to be an ass? Is this what they think of men? Is this, is this the view? And then I have sons and is this the view that women are going to have of them? And, and this, we can't, this can't be, you know, this can't be. And so that, that actually led me to want to work with men because I work with both women and men working with men though in a different way to, to help them to understand how wonderful and divine they are because no one actually tells them that. Exactly. No one no tells, one tells them, them. That's right. Yeah. They're allowed to, to be angry and they're allowed to be lustful. Those, those are the extremes of what the, the emotions that society allows men to have if they exhibit sadness, if they exhibit grief, if they exhibit pain, and I've spoken to so many men whose hearts have been broken by relationships or the death of a parent and how they were not allowed the space to, to, to cry like we, we joke, we cry with the ice cream. Men don't get that. Mm -hmm. And then it affects the relationship. And we as women don't ask them questions. I have women who tell me they never knew that men had emotions. <laughs> they never knew that men felt feelings. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, wow. 
so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. And uh, yeah, it's so, it's so, so sad. Um, so that's, so in your marriage, that's where you, or after your marriage anyway, you learned about all this stuff that he had been withholding. Yes. For good reason. I mean, he had no right. He had no reason to believe that you could handle it any more than his mother or right. his sister or whoever, you know, like if he was educated like that, there was a belief behind that, that you know, boys have to suck it up. They have to be a man. They have to act like little men. And, and what men means, acting like a man means is not showing emotion. Yes, that was that was very much the lesson that he that he got growing up, and and as I've spoken to more men, the, those are the lessons that that they that they've gotten. You know, you don't you just you just don't allow yourself to 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 well to fall apart as they as they say. Right. Well, they see they see all emotion as falling apart. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so yeah, when when we then we as women come along and there, we do want this knight and shining armor thing. I know I did, and we put this expectation on this other human being, right? Yeah. You know, and they and they know that that's the expectation too, right? Because they were given the same stories, right? You know, and they're supposed to learn all about us, like what do we want for Valentine's Day and. What are they going to get us for the holidays and happy wife, happy life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and no one, it's like, no one asks. So how are you feeling? Yeah. How are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. How's that whole strategy working for you? Not so good. Yeah. Yeah. Not just how was work, dear, but what do you, what are you thinking about? Yeah. How, how are you feeling? Yeah. So you came to a huge realization, though, because even though some women know this, you have a different take, which is one about honoring, like how much actual attention men need to be honored in, in their fullness. Um, and especially in this day and age when fingers are being pointed at men left and right, uh, and some are being wrongly accused. You know, we expected them to do everything. We, the way I look at it, we expected them to make the first move. We expected them to like, they had to come to ask for the phone number. They had to come and say, can I call you? They had to come and say, can I buy you a drink or whatever. They had to come, and then they had to make the first kiss and they had to make the first sexual move. And, they had to, and if they were no good, like we could just go, thanks, don't call me again. Like they, they would risk everything and we would just go, you know, I don't feel like seeing you tonight. My hair is dirty. Right. And, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and the, the paradox of that is, is that women will say men are in control. But with everything that you just listed, who's really, who's really in control? Well, we are even, even to the extent that we are in the relationship because we reject, so we reject or accept. Right. And we also are the ones who educate. So mothers right. pass down the culture right. through their verbal and nonverbal cues and school teachers who by and large used to mostly be female uh, also enculturate. So the men got these messages from women and women were powerful enough to, to 
uh, say yes or no, or, you know, enculturate. So yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I could put it in a kind of a more uh, scatological way. One of my chefs, when I was first starting to do retreats, he would say, why do women always say that men have all the money? <laughs> I don't get it. He'd say, men have half the money, women have the other half of the money, and women have all the pussy. <laughs> So women are far more powerful than we are because they got the thing that moves us. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know where that idea came from either because women are the ones who actually usually make the financial decisions. The yeah. large things, yeah, like people think like houses and cars and things, but on the day-to-day -day spending, it's, it's women. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of... Um, bad light shed on toxic masculinity. And there has been toxic masculinity. There has been. There have been men who, there's someone right now in the White House who's taken advantage of women oh. and instead of gets away with it. And yeah. there, you know, there's, there's the uh, Harvey Weinstein. There's a lot, a lot of yeah. Me Too stuff. But the regular man, a regular man that anyone might meet, like, you know, anywhere at a party at a di at dinner in a restaurant at a bar in a job relationship introduced through friends regular men are frightened to death right now and not feeling tremendously honored they're afraid to even they're embarrassed to even get an erection yeah yeah what do we what do we do about that you know we we educate we we educate immensely you know, and, you know, I know that every generation, I think a generation is supposed to be longer than what it is, but apparently now it's shorter. So I know that every generation has its, its cause, you know, and, and it's interesting as women, we've, we've, we've always been the ones to kind of shift the cause, you know, politically, um, from suffragettes to, to now with the Me Too movement. Right. Uh, so we do a lot of the shifting of how this, of how this happens. And I think it's really important to, to educate women on the difference between what is a Harvey and a Trump and what is a guy who may be admiring you and what is a guy who was never taught, you know, properly. I think it's, it's important to not lump everyone to, together. I was, I was at a, it's like maybe a, a two years ago, I was at a little comedy thing that a friend of mine invited me to. And, you know, there was a young woman there who had a shirt on that said, don't ask me to smile or something like that. And I was kind of taken aback by it, you know, because I always smile. <laughs> when, when I, and I've had these like kind of arguments with women. Like I always smile when a man asks me to smile, not because and it's not because he asked me to smile. Like, you know, like we think like, oh, I, he, I, I did it because he asked me to, like he made me smile. To be quite honest, I smile for a couple of different reasons. One, when he's asking me to do that, I'm probably really lost in thought as it has been. And when he says something to me, it shakes me out of wherever I was at, probably too far in the past or too far in the future, mm. brings me back to my present. And for that, I'm grateful. Yeah, you know, because in the present moment, I smile, and I and I usually I usually smile and just say thank you, or 
he's admiring my beauty as he should. <laughs> we, are, we are beautiful. Women are beautiful. You know, and the idea that a man can admire that, I, I don't, I guess I don't understand what the problem is because guaranteed in not too many years, some of these same women will be wondering, why is no one looking at me? I was looking very attractive that day and no one said anything to me I had on this dress and so forth and so on. Because you, know? you had a big sad frown on your face. <laughs> right. And your smile is your most gorgeous asset. Right. It really is. And, and the third reason is I've just made a man's day. Right. And, just, <laughs> and why not? Why not? Because, because if I can put some extra pep in his step, then the next person he encounters, he might be a little nicer to me as well. You know, and so it's little things like that that I just, that baffle me that some women are taking a stance on, like a smile is a power play. But it's the most natural thing that we do. Babies do it. It's the first, it's the first language we learn before we can do anything else is we smile. Exactly. And so it's small things like that. And I think just educating women on, on what masculinity what it really is, what it represents, and honoring the same way you were speaking about honoring the, you know, the darkness within us. It's important. Yeah. Uh, the, the, honoring the warrior in men. They, they, they're not so, you, you know, like we want to strip that from them and make them like, like vaginas with penises. And it just, <laughs> it, it doesn't work for them, you know? So honoring that that warrior that's within them, honoring those other parts of them, the part that we want when we hear the bang downstairs and go, honey, can you, can you go see what that is? Or are, are we going to argue about who's, who's going to go downstairs? So, you know, just appreciating those, those parts of, of themselves, just as we as women have our, our darker parts, we can be manipulative and we can be catty. You mm. know, we have those parts too. But, but just recognizing that that, 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 is a, that creates a full picture of what the masculinity can, can do. Yes. And I, I mean, to me, it's I, like I meet so many men now who are so, they feel so timid. Mm -hmm. I don't remember growing up with too many men who felt timid. I feel like that's a new phenomenon. And then I'm also aware that women are asking, you know, where are all the good men? <laughs> They're right here. I mean, they didn't go anywhere. <laughs> they just, <laughs> they're just a little bit subterranean because they're afraid that if they're seen and um, and they and they're assertive, right, uh, that they're going to be pointed at as being, you know, the toxic toxic masculine. So they just they've been holding their cards really close to their chest, and it's it's a shame. We need them. We need yes. them to be who they really are. Yes, yes, we do. Abs absolutely. We need them to be that. I'm, t I just, I'm thinking about a guy walking up to, you know, a girl somewhere and just saying, you know, wow, I just, I came from across the room and I just, you know, your beauty captivated me. And in that moment, she has two choices. She can say, thank you. <laughs> or she can say, are you trying to say that you're objectifying me and that you're not recognizing me for the full human being that I am? Oh, and I, I am sure <laughs> then like, what does he do with that? It's, it's like, I, I, I just, I just thought you were <laughs> you know? say, yay, someone noticed me. How great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
but that's where men are now. They just, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to yeah. do. Yeah. I get that. I really get that. Well, we need to take another break here. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, who would be your typical client. You know, why they would, who would be the, the person, the kind of person, the perfect person to seek you out and then how to get in touch with you. And then we'll see if you have a tip or anything that I may not have uh, thought to ask you. So if you just tuned in again, I'm Laurie Handlers. And this is Sex and Happiness that you've been listening to. And my guest today is Debbie Maisha. And She's a pleasure coach and she believes that better sex and healthier relationships make for happier lives. And there's no mistake why I invited her to be on this show because I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, um, and also we have a lot of agreement about this subject that we're talking about. Um, there doesn't have to be such a big divide between the genders. And um, it might be okay that men understand that women are afraid to walk down a dark street. That would be a really good place for men to understand that women really are different there and need their help. But other than that, just to smile or the things we've been talking about, oh, come on, let's grow up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll be right back and we'll talk about what Debbie Maisha might do if you were her client or the kind of people, if you're the kind of person who should call her. We'll be right back. So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too. Meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with a Sibian has personally increased my sexual response and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add, trust me on this, I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N dot com or call 
6135. And say Lori Handler's told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for men. This is Sex and Happiness, and today we are talking about the sacred masculine. We mentioned toxic masculinity, but we're actually talking about the sacred masculine, which which I understand as holding space without judgment. And I know that many men can do that, even regardless of their feelings. They can still pull that off. They can actually create safety and hold space for us without judgment. I wonder if we could do the same thing. So, Devi Maisha, who would be your, your you know, perfect client? What kind of people come to see you? For the, for the men, it needs to be a man who's, who's ready to, I don't, he doesn't have to have all the answers. He doesn't even have to really know anything. I just need him to be ready to experience the idea of connecting to his heart space. For the men, I generally do physical, um, ener- energetic work. So I meet with them in person mm-hmm. and I do, um, there's no such thing called tantric touch, but I, I do, that's basically what I do. It's a combination of Reiki and other energy modalities that I've learned. And it's a very sensual way of just being in his presence and allowing him to be in the presence of the feminine without any expectation. He does not have to do anything but receive. And that takes the pressure off of him. I just want him to breathe into the experience a lot of things come up for men at that time. I do a lot of holding. I will just hold a man as well. Um, I've had tears. I've had men who just have never been touched in a non-sexual, you know, I mean, it's sensual, but in a way that it's not just, it's not just sex. You know, women right. will touch them for sex, but they don't right. touch them or if they touch them if they want something. Right. But just be held or touched just because. 99% of the men have told me that they have just never had that experience in their life. That includes their mothers. Um, so that's what I offer for the men because men are more physical and I want to get them out of their head. Right. So I combine that also with coaching. So we will do a session where they're on my table and then we also do coaching sessions. Um, and the reason why the combination of the two for men is because men tend to be very cerebral and I need them to get into that feeling space as well so that they connect all of the parts of themselves and that they're integrated as whole human beings and they don't just intellectualize everything that happens, which is what men do. For women, I also do energy work with women, but they tend to come more for the coaching, which is fine. Uh, We do, um, you know, and for the women, I usually have them do exercises on their own to get in touch with their body. Uh, they must, must engage in self-pleasure. I will have them do it in a mirror. I will have them stand before themselves and pleasure themselves. I will have them record themselves. I want them to find their own sexy and their own pleasure outside of a man. Because when women are able to do that, then they feel like more whole, integrated, human beings and they're not looking to or relying on someone else to fill a hole for them 
And that means that their expectations are not in the stratosphere and they can now begin to see this person for the human being that they are as opposed to the person who's supposed to make sure that they're always happy and never sad. (laughs) They can handle all of that on their own now and I take them through pleasure to do that because as women, that's we're pleasure beings. We have been taught otherwise, but we are pleasure beings and we're hardwired for that. And so I take them through that process in order to bring them into wholeness. So it's, it's two kind of, it's two different ways of doing it. One is more solo for, for women and one is, is more partnered for men because those are actually the experiences that, that we don't get as men and women as often as we should. Yes. And so for both of them, it's just the, really the requirement is, is, is come prepared to be open. Mm-hmm. Just come prepared to, to, be, to be open and to, and to question to question you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for doing it. And thanks for being so explicit about the difference and what you do and what's needed and necessary. It's, uh, it's important that you get that and then it's important that they get that. And it's, there's some differentiation. How do people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, they can find me on my website, uh, sensualenergyalchemy.com. Uh, they can also reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram. I do more on Instagram just because Facebook is a little icky with um, their posts and their wording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even though they own Instagram, they seem to be much more, it's like Instagram is like hush, hush, we'll, we'll allow that over there even though we say we don't. Um, and so it's easier to post things on Instagram. But on both uh, mediums, and uh, I'm still on Twitter as well, uh, Sensual Energy Alchemy is my name across all the social media websites. So they can find me there or just send me an email at info at sensualenergyalchemy.com. So I want to spell the whole thing because if I don't, I have a, you know, not everybody is a good speller. Like I'm a pretty good speller, but not everybody is. So I like to spell it out. So I'm going to just spell out sensual energy alchemy for everyone. So it's like this, S-E-N-S-U-A-L, that's the sensual, Energy, E-N-E-R-G-Y, alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, sensualenergyalchemy.com or Sensual Energy Alchemy across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And, and uh, Debbie Maisha, what, uh, is there anything I haven't asked you or something that you want to leave my listeners with? Yes, I'll leave uh, one tip for, for each. So for the men, uh, many women do not have vaginal orgasms. And one of the reasons is that our nerve endings are buried deep within the vaginal canal. Childbirth would be very difficult if they were not. And so it may take a woman 20 to 45 minutes of foreplay in order to really rev up. So I ask that you take more time with your female body partners and getting her aroused and excited. You're ready to go, but she needs more time. And encourage her to slow down and enjoy the pleasure of it. For the women, I encourage you to understand that men don't talk as much as we do. They do not use as many words as we do. And so at the end of the day, his, his vocabulary has been used for the whole entire day, most likely. 
give him some time to decompress when he comes in. Usually men need about an hour to just kind of like get themselves together and then come to him with all that you want to discuss for your day and unload on him. And I guarantee you, he will be more willing and able and attentive when you're speaking to him and you won't feel like he's just entertaining you. So the just real practical things that are so non-sexual, but that can lead to better sex. <laughs> so good. My partner just told me a couple of days ago that men need transition time and women don't. Yes, yes he, absolutely. I loved it. I just went, really? That's yes. so good. <laughs> so you just said that. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Amazing. Thank you for those tips. They're really good. And anything that will lead to better communication will most certainly lead to more sex, better sex. More communication leads to better communication in the bedroom. So, Absolutely. or whatever room. I don't, it doesn't have to be just the bedroom. Um, I have so enjoyed talking to you. I, I just want to let you know, it's, uh, it's so important that people see each other in the different lights that they're in and cater to that which is needed and necessary versus you know what we're making up you know what our heads make up about stuff that just not even true it's or, or what the culture has said which in most cases isn't even true it's so good to to know what you're doing and people can uh can you do do you do long distance sessions also I absolutely do. Yes, I have a, a couple that I'm coaching right now in Texas. Uh, so yes, I do long distance sessions as well. All right, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. I, I'm, I'm pleased and I know that you're making a difference on this planet and adding to people's wellness and sense of happiness rather than shooting at it. <laughs> 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 you know, like making more of a mess. I just know that you're helping to clean up the messes, not of yours, but of other people's and all of ours. So I really, really thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I, I love what you do as well. Absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you. So everybody, all my listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope you got some use from these tips. They're very practical and easy to implement. Nothing rocket science about what Debbie Maisha said. In any of it, you can implement it in your very own self and in your very own relationships. I hope that you will tune in next time when I will have another amazing guest. I think my guest next time is going to be talking about surviving love, suicide, and all kinds of horrible things and returning to love, like returning to love even though your heart is breaking. So, um, so that will be the topic and I couldn't do this show and wouldn't do this show without you. So thank you for being my wonderful listeners, my loyal listeners. This is Laurie Handlers signing off for sex and happiness. Thank you all again. Thank you for joining us today for sex and happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to butterflyworkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.